welcome home. So glad you're here. <laughs> Woo! It's like we're in Nashville. All right, welcome home. So glad you're here. This is week three of Radically Free. Okay, lots of work to do this morning. Proverbs chapter 29. If you have your Bibles, open them there. Proverbs chapter 29. If you need a Bible, check under one of the seats in front of you. That uh, Proverbs 29 is on ch- page 468 in that one, okay? If you don't own a Bible, you do now. That's yours to keep. If you have your phone, you have the U version on it, boot up a live event because we got a poll we need you to take. So let's do that. Turn your ringers off. Let's go. Last week, I told you, we told you that there was... An ugly and awful thing. There is an ugly and awful thing that is holding us, us, down, holding us back, holding us captive in our relationships, in our marriages, in our finances, in the decisions we make, in the ways that we think, in the ways that we act, in in, in our faith. And, and we said that Jesus wants to set us free from that. And he does and he will if we will but be Be brave, brave enough to be honest with ourselves and and respond to him and respond to him as he leads, okay? So this is what it's about. Now, when I tell you what this, uh, uh, and I'm sorry if I took your favorite seat, I, I don't know, but you'll be fine. We're closer together this morning. When I tell you what this thing is, um, you're gonna, it's not what you expect. It's not what you expect. And so when I tell you what it is, you may be tempted to diminish it or dismiss it or discredit it or say, nah, nah, listen, just let's, let's spend some time together and we'll see how that works out, okay? Here is the thing. Let's go to God's word um, and you're gonna see how prevalent and powerful and dangerous it is, how susceptible we are to it and, and why it needs to be crushed so that we can be radically free. Okay, Proverbs 29, we're in verse 25. So go there, and here it is. The fear of man. Okay, there it is. The fear of man. Now, this applies to the women too, okay? Fear of people, okay? Lays a snare, God says. But whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Safe is what we want to be. Trapped in a snare is what we don't want to be. So the fear of other people. That's what we're talking about. That is the ugly, that is the atrocious, that's the dangerous thing. Fear of other people. So let's see where we are. Let's see what you think about that. If you have your your phones, if you have the the live event, here's a poll. Here's a poll. We're going to do it. If you don't have this, just do the poll in your head. How would you rate, here's a question. How would you rate your fear of other people? First choice is none. I ain't afraid. I ain't even afraid of this question. Okay, you don't have to say it like that, but that's how I typed it. Okay. Uh, Second choice is small. Only a few people intimidate me. Then medium. I'm afraid of about as many people as I'm free to be myself with. Or high. It's a victory for me to even leave the house. Okay, just choose the one that's closest to where... Wow. Okay. We are... We're going to refresh it here. We're kind of all over the map, it looked like. It looked like. That's okay. We're going to get it. Okay, there we go. Not, you know, about a fifth of us ain't afraid of nothing. They're going into the lion's den. Um, small, okay. Our biggest one is medium. It, it kind of comes and goes. Depends who I'm with. And then there's seven. 
percent that say hi, hi. It's a victory for me to even leave the house. Okay, so that's where we're starting. That's where we're starting. Okay, we're going to attack this in four parts today. Four small parts: um, diagnosis, symptoms, prescription, and healing. Diagnosis, symptoms, prescription, and healing. It's like I'm a doctor. Me and you, Jay. High five. Yeah. You see that kinship we have? I'm sorry. I'm not bringing down what you do. It just felt good to say those words. Okay. First, we're going to do diagnosis. What is the diagnosis? The diagnosis is fear of man, fear of other people. The word of God is saying here in Proverbs 29, 25, that being afraid of people, the word he uses is a snare, a snare. Now, that uh, for, for, for those of us who, who don't use snares, it's a trap, right? It's a trap. Now, the thing about snares, the thing about traps is they don't work if you see them. They're hidden, right? And it, 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 I mean, if you could see it, you wouldn't step in it. You wouldn't do it, right? You wouldn't get caught in that thing. But it's a snare because we don't see it. We don't see it coming because it's disguised. It's very subtle and it's very gradual. So we need to see it so that we don't get into it or we can see how we got into it. So let's go back to the word of God and and see one of the many, many examples in there of people who have fear of other people problems, fear of man issues. Okay, it's John chapter 12. Go there real quick. John chapter 12, that's 770 in your, in your Bibles that, uh, that you get under the seats. It's 898 in mine, but 770 there. So we're in John chapter 12, and we're going to pick it up in verse 42. Take a look at this. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. Who's him? Jesus, right. Yeah, you were like timid about it. Jesus! Yeah, get it out there. Okay, many. Even of the authorities believed in Jesus, but, but, this is a huge one, it turns here, but for fear of the Pharisees, fear of other people, fear of man, they did not confess it. They kept it a secret so that they would not be put out of the synagogue for they loved the glory, uh, the acceptance, the approval that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Okay, so real quick. Here we have people in high places in, in church work, right? But their church is different than us, right? We have high people people in high positions in government and they believe in Jesus, right? But there's a lot at stake for them, right? So if they come out and 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 love Jesus loud, there's stuff that could happen. They they could get thrown out of the synagogue. They could lose their jobs. They could lose their position. They could lose their social standing. They could lose their reputation. They could lose their family. They could lose their friends. And in this culture, they could even lose their lives. Lose their lives. So what do they do? They love Jesus privately. They love Jesus secretly. They love Jesus secretly. Because verse 43, that cuts to the core of why they did what they did. Let's read it again. For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Their, their, their cares, their loves, their, their acquisitions, their, their aspirations 
were wrong. They cared more about fitting in with other people than fitting in with God. They cared more about being accepted by people than being accepted by God. They cared more about advancing their own agenda than they did about living in and advancing the kingdom of God. Do you, do you get that with me? Okay, we need to lay that as a foundation of what that looks like and because it kind of explains why we have this closet ensemble. Okay, that's what this is. Say it with me, ensemble. Okay, now, <clears throat> the way, just go with me. The way it's set up is this is a closet with like see-through walls. It's very artsy, okay? Okay, so back here is the closet and out here is out in the open. That's what it, okay, and you have all my clothes. Don't laugh at them, all my clothes except up to here. This is the lost and found. Okay, so just putting in a commercial for that, there's some very nice stuff here. And most of it fits me. So come claim it. It's good. Okay, after the service, just come look at it. Try on this North Face jacket. It's really sweet. Okay, so here's what it, here's what it is. Back here, it's safe for us, right? To believe in Jesus, to love Jesus, because, um, you know, it's, it's hidden. Out here, it's not. Now, in their day, in their day, it wasn't even safe for them in a church, right? But for fear of people, they kind of loved Jesus secretly. They kept him secret. Now, here's what it plays out to for us. You know, it's here is the church, right? We're in the church. We're behind the door. We're in the closet. And it's real good for us to love people, right? It, or love Jesus. And, and then when we come out here, we're, we're in the world. We go out into our neighborhoods. We go out into our jobs, our friendships, uh, our, uh, you know, our maybe Western or the high school or wherever we are. And what do we do? Whoa, we tone it way down, way down. See, because back here, back here, like the, the main culture back there is to love Jesus. So it's cool to love Jesus. It's cool to love him out loud. But you get out here and you go back into your life and it may not be cool. It may not be cool. That's not the, you know, I can, I can speak for my job. I can, I can speak for Western. They, you know, people aren't into Jesus Christ, you know, not, not, not as an overriding culture. So we turn it way down. We love Jesus in secret because, well, those other people just wouldn't understand. And Jesus, he, he understands that, you know, we're tight, even though sometimes we act like we're not. So here it is. It causes us to not want to be um, associated with Jesus, not want to be associated with being passionately in love with him out when we're outside of that safe zone, right? And, and so that's the diagnosis. What are the symptoms? What are the symptoms? What does this look like? Because we don't have a situation exactly like this. Here's what it might look like. I want to take you back uh, 20 years or so. Okay, our son Tommy is six years old. And we live in New Orleans. And we live five blocks away from the kindergarten. And Cherie, every morning, would walk Tommy 
And, and they love each other. You know, they're really close. And, and they would walk together to the kindergarten holding hands. Except for when we got one block away from the school. Right? You see it coming, don't you? He don't want to hold hands no more, right? He, he's going on himself. You got a little strut, right? Right? Now, as cute as, as we on one level think that is and, and how we understand it, on another level, you got to understand that that broke his mama's heart. Okay? That broke his mama's heart. And I don't say this to beat up on my boy. I say this so that we can see how as we go through our lives, the people that see us and what they might think causes us to drop Jesus' hand over and over and over and over again. And it breaks his heart and it chokes our lives. And we're, we're in captive, we're captive by it. Okay, so this fear of other people can turn otherwise brave and courageous souls into cowards because of what other people think. Now, I know that in here, and I love the fact that in here, we have a mix. We have some followers of Jesus Christ. We have some people who are just checking them out, you know? But whether or not you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the fear of other people can control your life far more, far more than you ever imagined than you ever imagined. So this applies to both. And we'll get, we'll get to believers in a second, but think about just the things you wear since we're talking about closets, right? Didn't this start when you were a little kid? Didn't this start? And our mothers, I love moms. I love you, moms. Didn't they get us started by telling us, make sure you wear clean, oh, you were there, clean underwear. Why? Because you might be in an accident. What book was this published in that all our moms got? And what is it about every accident that necessitates the removal of pants? He's in an accident. It appears to be a head laceration, several contusions around the scalp. Better remove those pants. Really? Why? Why is it important? Because she loves you and she wants clean underwear on on her baby boy, baby girl? No! Because the EMTs might see it. Think less of your mom. Think less of your family name. Right? Now we laugh about that, but didn't we continue the trend? How much of the stuff in your closet is because you genuinely love it? How much of it did you buy how much of it did I buy? Because I genuinely loved it rather than this is the stuff that's going to get me the most compliments. Wait till they see me wear this. Right? I'm going to have what's in. I, I may not like it, but everybody, this is the next big thing. I care. I'm dressing my body for you, not his body for him. You tracking? Yeah. That's okay, sweetie. That's okay. That's okay. That's what, it, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. Just in, in like the clothes we wear, you know? When people see us in the club, all eyes on us. All eyes on, right? You heard that song. That's what it's about. People see you in school, that's what it's about. 
They got to see my new shoes. They got to see my new purse. All right, not just stuff you wear, stuff you own, right? Stuff you own. You got to have the new stuff. You have to have the coolest stuff. Why? Not only because you might want it, but so that other people can see that you have the coolest stuff, right? I mean, think about it. If nobody knew you have the stuff that you have, would you still enjoy it as much? If, If you can say no, then part of it is because what other people think is important right? Or else we'd be decorating the inside rather than the outside, okay? It's been said that we spend money we don't have to get stuff we don't need to impress people that we don't really like. We love them, but we don't really like them. You know what I'm saying? You got to take that out of context. Okay, okay. Not only the things we wear, not only things we have, our relationships, right? The people that we love, the people that we like, how much is that influenced by other people? Like here in Gunnison, it's, it's rampant that we would be isolated. We are terminally isolated here. Inside the church, outside the church, doesn't matter, okay? You want to know how Christian people do it? They hide out back here. They hide out back here. And they say, I don't really know anybody who's not a Christian. Really? Really? Our community is like 90 plus percent unchurched. I don't know if that means they don't know Jesus or they're just not plugged in or whatever. But if you don't know any Christians because you ain't trying, because you don't want to, here's what we do. We get a huddle of people who look just like us, who believe just like us, who have all the same convictions just like us. And we all camp out back here. We have churches that exist solely for this reason so that we don't have to engage. We don't have to engage with people who are not like us. When Jesus' plan is quite the opposite. It's not to isolate, but to infiltrate, right? Right? Go, 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 he says. Go to the places other people aren't brave enough to go. Love the people who other people aren't brave enough to love. Do, go, go. Not to earn my approval, but because you have my approval. And you want to let everybody know that they do. Go, don't isolate, infiltrate, clothes we wear, the places we go, the things we do, right? How's that, how you talk, how you talk, right? Don't we have a different mouth that we put on kind of? We have different things that we talk about and different words that we say when we're with different groups of people, right? And and some of us, if we're in the right setting with the right people, we'll like cuss like a sailor and we'll, we know everything is sexual and everything is this. And we'll put down other people. We love who the group loves. We mock who the group mocks. Because why? It makes us feel good. We fit in. And we're afraid that if we speak up or we, and, and we take another course that people are going to reject us. The, the fear of man causes you to be who you are not. Who he is not making you to be. Don't you see, every time that we allow other people to shape who we are, how we act, how we think, what our attitudes are, it fights against the spirit of God that is working in us to conform us into his image and to, and to bring his gospel into the lives of other people. But they're not into Jesus. They, they don't, they're not into God. They're not. Why do you think you're there? Why do you think he put you there? 
so that you could be his ambassador. But ambassadors don't always sit down. Ambassadors don't always shut up. Ambassadors don't always hold back. Ambassadors don't always blend. That's what it does to us. Our finances, the places we go, the things that we do or don't do, how we talk. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the damage, the threat is even worse. It's even worse of keeping Jesus in the closet of our hearts, in the closet of our lives. What does it do? It goes deeper. It changes the way we worship. Let's just talk. Now, we've talked on worship, that worship is a 24-7, everything you do every, like in Christ, right? You know, your work is worship, your, your love is worship, your family is worship, your, your school is worship. Let's talk about the beginning of the service here where we do the musical worship, okay? How do you do that? Or how don't you do that? Worship, in all its forms, is all about pouring yourself out in praise and, and worship to God, pouring your heart out before him, right? Right. Now, I'm not saying that we all need to do that the same. I'm just saying we all need to do that radically free. And to one degree or another, every single one of us, me included, is somewhat aware that there are other people around us who may or may not see us worship and what they may think. Every single one of us, me included, is aware that there are people around us who may see us worship and what they might think. And we adjust our response to God to what they might think. I just want you to think about that. I want you to consider this. How do you cheer for your favorite team when you're there in the stadium or in the arena, the, the Spurs, the Broncos, the Avalanche, what, what are, the Rockets, what, whatever you're into? How do you cheer when you're there? And how does that compare to how you worship when you're here? And Jesus runs onto the field. I'm just saying, Jesus deserves more of an ovation than Peyton Manning, as good a man as he is. All right? And I have never, ever heard somebody talk about going to the Broncos game saying, I'd like to cheer there, but I don't because I don't really think I have a good voice. <laughs> really? That's, that doesn't stop you there. It might stop you here. I don't want to raise my hand. It might get shot off. No. Look, if you're not a hand raiser, because this can go the other way too, right? Don't you know those freakish ones? Are, ah, 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 ah. And no, no, <laughs> not here. But that can just as much be fear of man. Do you understand? If you're doing it so that other people can notice you and have a certain thought of you. If that's not what radically free is for you, then that's wrong. As much as if this is not what's radically free for you, it's wrong. You get it? It's whatever God is pouring into you. You're just letting pour out. You're pouring out on it. So it doesn't only hamper our worship. It, it makes us dishonest. It makes us dishonest. Because in our life groups, in our Christian community, in our, in our relationships, in our families, at our work, um, there are things that God puts on your heart to speak to people 
to minister to people. And and sometimes that truth that he gives you, even though you're going to say it in love, even though you've demonstrated love, some of that is hard to face, isn't it? And so so we become concerned, overly concerned with the reaction that we're going to get, right? And so in that moment, the very things that God wants spoken into this person's life go unsaid. Go unspoken because we are selfish. At that moment, we love ourselves so that we can be accepted, right? More than we love the other person and want to see God, want to see the Holy Spirit working in their lives. And the damage that is done ultimately is far worse, far worse than the damage that might be done by having something that is spoken in love that's hard to hear initially. I guarantee you, happens all the time, all the time. So it not only hampers our worship, it not only makes us dishonest, but um, it, uh, our witness suffers. Our witness suffers. You, you play it safe. You play it safe. If there's ever any risk, we, we don't take the chance because fear of failure. If there's ever uh, a a worry that somebody's not going to receive something, we'll just, we'll, we'll pull back. We'll, we'll be silent. We won't speak the name of Jesus. We won't love them. We'll, we'll, we'll say things like, um, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll pray for you. Um, or, or not even that or nothing, right? When, when deep down Jesus is telling you, he's pouring to your heart, look, I love this person and they have no idea. I am the cure for what they're going through. I have put it in you to deliver to them. And you're saying, I'm not going to deliver it. I'd rather them suffer because they might give me a dirty look or they might not want to talk to me or they... I'm just talking about the difference between being radically free and being controlled by the fear of what other people think. When we keep Jesus in the closet and we love him secretly... Do you, do you understand how, how offensive that is to, to the God who came for you and for me, who hung on the cross publicly and was shamed publicly for you and for me, for our sins on the cross, in our place, as our substitute. And we're just going to have this secret relationship. We're going to drop his hand when we're a block away from the school, he'll understand. He'll understand. Here's the question for us, all of us. Are you ashamed of loving Jesus? Are you resistant to loving him out loud, no matter where you are, no matter who you're with? I'm not talking about being a crazy loony bin, you know. I'm talking about being radically free and not muting your faith down and turning the volume level down to zero. Are you ashamed of loving Jesus? Do you keep your love for Jesus in the closet, in some places, with some people? Do you deny Jesus in front of people by your actions, by your words, or by your silence? In Matthew 10, 33, Jesus says something that, that just makes my blood run cold. See if it does the same for you. 
Jesus says, but whoever denies me is ashamed of me before men in front of people. I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Not a popular message. A guy who is addicted to having people like him does not want to say this out loud. But I have to love him and love you enough to tell the truth that that some of us should be scared to death because of this. Some of us should be terrified because this is true. So what's the big deal? Why is it such a big deal? We'll take a look at that and we'll take it home. Because it's idolatry. Because this is idolatry. This is the highest form of evil. This is at the core of what we commonly call peer pressure. And we stop talking about peer pressure when we get out of school, right? Even out of college or, you know, but it continues till the day that we die. There are people that we want to accept us. There are people that we want to affirm us. There are people to whom we want to belong. There are people that, that, that we want to agree with us, that, that we want to be cool with. So, so we figure out um, what they want to hear, what they want to see, what they want us to do. And we conform our lives. We conform our lives to their standard. And we begin to think like them. We begin to speak like them. We begin to behave like them. We take on their attitudes. We take on their style of dress. We take on the way they treat people or don't treat people. Love or don't love. Mock or don't mock. We trade God for the people we want to be accepted by. We, we, we trade God for the people that we most want to be accepted by. And I say we, me included. This is something we need to do battle with. This is something we need to do battle with. Because when we do this, when we do this, our friends become big and our Jesus becomes small. When we do this, our friends become huge. And our Jesus becomes small. And they become idols that we worship. Because Jesus is trying to do the very same thing. Live within us to transform us into his image. The way he thinks, the way he speaks, the way he acts, the way he loves, the way we fight. And we choose to drop his hand. How about the prescription? Good news, the prescription. Before we go to that, how about that question that we asked on the poll? If we asked it again, would you answer it the same way? How would you rate your fear of other people? Well, maybe it's not shaking in your boots because you think they're going to beat you up or something like that. But in light of how it has affected your life, how would you rate it now? Here's the prescription. Here's the prescription. Jesus never diagnoses anything that he doesn't want to heal, right? So here's the prescription, regardless of what your symptoms are. 2 Timothy 1.7. 2 Timothy 1.7. Jesus has the cure. Here it is. For God gave us a spirit. God gave us a spirit because we could not do it on our own. So God has given us his spirit. Jesus has given us his spirit, right? We're not alone. 
What kind of spirit is it, right? It's a spirit that lives and grows and transforms us. The Holy Spirit controlling you, coursing through your veins, softening your heart, sparking your thoughts, inspiring your words, um, orchestrating your actions. Can you imagine what your life would be if that was, if that was true? Fully true, radically, freely true. I know it's not in my life. Not to the degree that I've yielded to to the indwelling and the control of the Holy Spirit. How do I know? Because of the fruit. Because of the fruit. We're seeing some fruit. But but the branches aren't breaking because of a burdensome fruit. Our, our 311 people, right? Mine are still on the list. How about yours? Imagine what it would be to be fully conformed, Right? He gives us a spirit, not a fear. The Holy Spirit is not afraid. I won't be afraid if I'm controlled by the Holy Spirit. It is a, it is a, a spirit of power, a power. I'm strong enough to stand up when the world wants me to sit down. I'm strong enough to speak up when the world wants me to shut up. I'm strong enough to speak love when everybody is speaking hate. I'm strong enough to speak truth when truth is being mocked. In love, in love and self-control. Self-control. I don't have to follow the crowd. I can love the crowd without following the crowd. Right? I don't have to be accepted by the crowd. I want the crowd to know they're accepted by Jesus Christ. The thing we need to think about, the thing we need to ask ourselves is, what do I want people to know most about me? What do I want people to know most about me? Is it that I have a sense of humor, that I'm funny, that I'm ripped, that I'm fast? That... All right, enough of that. It's an example. I'm talking to us in general, that I have this ability, that ability, this beauty, that charm, or that I am deeply loved by Jesus Christ and so deeply love him. Is that what we're putting out? Is that what we most want people to know? Or is it something else? If it's something else, then to some degree we have the disease, the fear of other people and what they might think. Here's the good news. If you have, if you have dropped his hand, if you do suffer from this as I do in in certain ways, Jesus is ready to forgive. Jesus is ready to restore that vibrant relationship. Jesus is ready to start again and help you do that. If you've let the fear of what other people think keep you from surrendering to him, giving your life to him, following him, being saved, whatever you call it, surrendering fully to Jesus Christ, what will my family think? What will my friends think? He's ready to forgive that too. And start a journey that will take you places you never dreamed. Let's pray. Lord, um, you're good. You have loved us so lavishly. You have served us so well. You have been so patient. You have sacrificed so much. You have forgiven so much. And we are so ready to drop your hand when certain people might see and what they might think. 
Lord, we don't want to be more concerned about what other people think than we're concerned with you. You loved us out loud and you do all the time. Lord, you deserve nothing less, but we have given you much less. We've been ashamed. We've denied you. We need to be restored. We need to be forgiven. We need to be filled. We need to be bold. In Jesus' name.